We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What's up, everybody? Surprise, we are here. Food for Thought 2023 NFL Draft Special. The NFL, forever entertaining. I'm the Luch, Justin Carlucci here with my guy, Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. I can't wait for Thursday, buddy. How you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, we'll see how much better I'm doing and feeling uh, after Thursday's draft kickoff. The one thing I like about the NFL Draft that I think is um, – uh, dare I say incredibly fun is the draft lasts several days. And so, you know, the first round to me is all the, the shiny toys. And then, you know, maybe once you start getting in the third through the end of the draft, that's when we determine, Hey, who really did some good scouting? You know, that's where, to me, that's where all the money's actually made because in the first round, you know, you don't have layups for everyone, but there's enough primetime talent for everybody to win. But, man, that fourth round, fifth round, where you really got to get the, the diamonds in the rough, I, I, I love that. I, lo- I actually love those days, I think, more than what we're going to see on Thursday. So I'm pretty excited about uh, the draft and, uh, you know, what, what's going to become of it. We got a special guest with us who might be sighing relief by the time Thursday rolls around. Uh, old friend of mine, Jason Boris, 
is a mock draft aficionado. Been doing this a long time, Jason. It's good to have you here. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, it's great to be here with you guys, Justin, Will. Uh, you know, it's crunch time, 48 hours till, till the show, man. And uh, I've been crunching, researching, um, doing some uh, doing some calls, talking to some people, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But uh, this draft is going to be a complete crapshoot. I don't believe anyone knows what's going on. I don't think anyone has a beat on it. So all I can say is I think we can expect the unexpected. I want to – I'm curious if any listeners heard the name Jason Boris and maybe there was some name recognition. I know you have some some culty Reddit old school followers somewhere because if you look up Jason Boris on Twitter, you're there, but you're not really there. But I feel like you're always watching. And if you don't know what Jason does, uh, longtime mock draft expert – uh, submits his work to the Huddle Report. Definitely go check out thehuddlereport.com. All of the mainstream media names you're familiar with are on there. They all submit their own mock drafts. You can see a billion mock drafts on social media, but if you're not submitted to the Huddle Report, what are you really doing? Uh, you know, all the household names, Jason, you compete with year after year. Uh, Evan Silva, Lance Zerline from NFL.com. Uh, you know, uh, McShay was on the list from time to time. You know, I'm seeing a lot of household names on the huddle report. And um, before I let you kind of depict what you do a little more uh, over the last five years, and I know you're modest, and I know you're your own tough critic, but you have the sixth highest mock draft average score out of the, the very lengthy list here of uh, major media personnel on this list from all kinds of websites, such as uh, Sports Illustrated, Underdog Fantasy, uh, the Draft Network, Fox Sports. I mean, you, you've been doing this a long time, and you have some tough com- competition, and I know you pride yourself in all the research that you do. So uh, ch- check out thehuddlereport.com and look for Jason, guys and girls, and you can see what he does. But, like, how did you find out about, you know, competing with your, with your mock draft uh, research, and when did you really get started in all this? Yeah, so here's the thing that not a lot of people, aside from – close personal friends really know about me. I've taken an interest in the draft at a very young age before the draft was cool, before the draft was mainstream. Um, Back when I was a kid, even dating back to elementary school, the draft used to be broadcast in the afternoon on weekdays. And I used to take off school to watch the draft. And again, I, I was young at that point. Um, and I just started dabbling and crossing off names on lists and, and pencil and paper making mock drafts up. And it kind of just prospered from there. So in the Times News, which is where I publish my mock draft, uh, this will be the 23rd year. But I've actually been doing mocks well in excess of 30 years. Uh Started with the Huddle Report probably about 13 years ago. Um, And back then, Rick Gosselin, Goose Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, he kind of was the, 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 he raised the bar. He was like the the gold standard of mock drafts at that time. And uh, I respect him. I've gotten to know him uh, over over some time. Um, But when he stopped out of the, doing the mock drafts for the, for the Dallas morning news. Um, 
I kind of took over his place. And from 2012 to 2017, um, I kind of was that standard. Um, I had the top for, from, for six straight years, I had the top five year average in the huddle report and the last five years, it's kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, but that's just because more people are doing it. The drafts become more mainstream. Uh, there's more info out there. There's, um, social media has has become a big thing so um but i'm, I'm still doing it uh, i still love it and uh it's still a passion of mine it's a very stressful time i will say that but uh, i'm looking forward to thursday i love that the times news is where you publish this thing keep sticking to your roots up in uh, the poconos in pennsylvania and um but you know people discover you from time to time like i know you've gotten calls and you've gone on colorado espn stations and uh, you know, you can't find much about your mocks on the web, but, you know, you're like, there's Reddit forum postings about you. <laughs> like, like there is a following that knows uh, that you're a force in the industry. And uh, I, I love it. I'm glad you're on board here with us. And, um, you know, I know you get scored on many different things and, you know, things like that. But I, I, I got to say, and we'll kind of jump into it because we got Chief, who is the Carolina Panthers here. And, uh, you know, you're known in the Reddit community. There's a community for everything in the mock draft Reddit world. And now there's a Reddit post that, that started steaming Will Levis uh, to the point where they took a lot of the draft props off the board. And the odds were really changing throughout the day. So I'm going to throw it over to Chief first. How do you feel about the name Will Levis with the Carolina Panthers? And I know you follow that team closely. If you listen to Food for Thought, you listen to us in the morning grind. You know Chief's a big Panthers fan. What the hell is going on there in Carolina, Will? Uh, and he's muted. Rookie mistake right off the bat. You know, I bring on a mock draft celebrity, and Chief's got the uh, he's got the, the nerves going a little bit here, you know, and uh, – He's, he's afraid to get on the mic here. <laughs> well, yeah, man. So I, I, I'm in my earbud, my, my uh, wired headphones, because for whatever reason, my wireless ones keep turning off uh, during shows now. And so instead of having to deal with, you know, putting it back in the case, plugging in these and hopping out and hopping back in, I said, I'll just go wire it the whole time. And why is that important? Because if the Carolina Panthers – draft Will Levis, they are, in fact, tone deaf. Uh, no need to draft Will Levis. I, look, I, I just – I think he's more of a project. I, and I watch a lot of college football. I watched him play at Kentucky. Um, I, once again, I, I don't think anybody's a slam dunk, but I, I have my opinion about the quarterback position in the draft. And, you know, I mean, I, I can go back to several drafts where, you know, I, I, Johnny people think Johnny Manziel is going to be great and he's not great. And, you know, we think Baker Mayfield's gonna. He's got it, and he he technically doesn't have it. And I know, I know, I'm kind of rattling off some, some, some weird names there. Vince Young uh, is in that category. Like, there, there's a whole bunch of guys, and so I, I just I, I I have I have my opinions about Will Levis and what I think his upside is in the NFL, and I I, I don't think it's great. Do, you, do I think it's C.J. Stroud? No. Do I think it's, you know, Bryce Young? No. But, you know, out of that group, I don't, I don't think anybody's, when we look back 10 years from now, is going to be, I don't know, in the Mahomes, Brady, 
Uh, let's see who else has been within the past 10 years who's come in. I mean, I, I don't even see a Justin Herbert in this draft for, for what it's worth. But I'll leave it at that. I'm going to let the ex- expert talk. But that's, that's my feeling on the quarterback position. I'm a huge Ohio State fan. Nothing against C.J. Stroud. Like, but Ohio State, like, we're notorious for cranking out quarterbacks, and they're just very unsuccessful in the NFL. Like, I just I just can't hop on the, the Stroud band, bandwagon. I, I just – I can't. So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to let the expert talk. But that, that's my feelings on this. Uh, I'd almost prefer to take, like, the best offensive linemen. They typically translate a lot better than quarterback, but – Hey, who am I? I'm just a, I'm I'm just a just a lowly fantasy sports analyst here talking about the draft. Jason, you buying into the Will Levis theme? Like, I know you have a deadline to submit your mock draft. I know you don't want to give away the farm either, but this is a crazy amount of 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 odds and steam and things that are changing. So, like, has that altered your perception of what the hell's going to go on at number one? Yeah, not at all. Um, so. The whole shtick with Levis uh, stemmed from a Reddit user who claims to be friends with Will Levis that said that Will Levis told him that he was being selected number one. Uh, Will Levis couldn't even beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State. He had oh, to, God. Sean so, Clifford, thank you. Thank he, you. He had Jeez. to transfer to Kentucky, and even when he transferred to Kentucky, he had a – Subpar year at best. So I'm not buying it at all, but here's here's what I can say. Two years ago, I kind of relate this to the whole Mac Jones scuttlebutt, where the 49ers traded up to the number three pick, and everybody on social media, media and everybody in the news and all the beat writers are saying, oh, we have it on good authority that they traded up because Mac Jones is their guy. They want Mac Jones. Kyle Shanahan's in love with Mac Jones. People bought into it, including myself. They ended up taking Trey Lance. Where did Mac Jones go? He went 15 to the Patriots. Um, That year, I I nailed seven of the top eight. The one that I missed? Trey Lance, because I bought into the whole Mac Jones hype. Not doing it this year. Um, I'm not buying Will Levis to the Panthers. I'm not buying Will Levis. To the Colts, uh, no. another that's another popular one at four. Um, I just think it's social media hype um, trying to stir up something that's really not there. So, you know, piggybacking off of what Chief said about these quarterbacks, and I'm assuming you think Bryce Young is number one. Right? Uh, Bryce Young, uh, if he does not go number one, I would be totally stunned. Chief, do you like that or do you not like that? Do you like hearing that? Yeah, look, man, I, I'm I'm fine with Bryce Young. Once again, I have my own personal feelings about quarterback in the NFL. And I, I, I think being able to get a guy is, is – I think Bryce Young is going to be trendy. Um, I, I, I think he's got good character. Like, as a person, like, I like him. Um, I, I think the right coach is good. Is really what's going to help this offense go. And in this particular case, you know, despite the fact that I was slightly down on the hire, you know, I, I, I think we probably, I don't think we could have scripted this better for a quarterback to go at one than having the head coach we have right now, who's 
been somewhat of a quarterback whisperer through his career. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I'm okay with Bryce. Once again, look, man, I, I'd be cool just taking the best offensive lineman and going to get Derek Carr or something like that, but clearly that's not going to happen. But you know, that, that's how I feel about quarterback in the NFL. Like, like, listen, you're, you're shaking your head, right? You're shaking you your head. No, no, no. Hear, hear me out here. It's, it's, it's not about Derek Carr. It's about it. Ten years from now, the best offensive lineman is probably going to be more valuable than a mediocre quarterback. I agree. You can have Ryan Tannehill. Would you like him? Do, do you get? <laughs> and that, that's really my point. Like, you know, the O line, man. You, you just start compiling solid old linemen. I mean, you can bring almost anybody in if they're competent. And if you've got the right skill position players, you can take off. Like, you get a quarterback, but you've got bad linemen. I'm not saying we have bad linemen, which we've drafted defensive. God, Matt Rule just screwed us up. But, you know. Ugh. A lot of Pennsylvania ties on this podcast. We go from Sean Clifford to Matt Rule and, uh, you know, Jason and I, uh, you know, uh, kind of grew up along the same area and, and you know, worked uh, together in different capacities. And another fun fact about uh, Jason, he's a PIAA football official chief. So uh, my guy is uh, used to taking some criticism, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, with some coaches uh, chewing your ear off. But I, there's a million different ways I could, like, transition this conversation if I wanted to and try to pack it into an hour. So let's just stick with kind of quarterbacks in general, Jason, if you don't mind. <laughs> Um, and I know your job is to figure out who's going in round one and, and where they're going for the most part. But I know you have an opinion on these guys with all the research you do. Do you think any of these guys and who are kind of franchise have the ceiling to be franchise altering type quarterbacks? Well, I think every one of the four, possibly five projected quarterbacks they have going in the first round all have some sort of red flags or um issues with the intangibles. I mean, with Bryce Young, it's his size. Um, you know, at five foot ten, he'd be the shortest, right alongside Kyler Murray, the shortest drafted first-round quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Uh, it's it, Nobody's – him and Kyler Murray are 5'10", um, so that's the red flag there. C.J. Stroud, it's with his intelligence and his processing. Obviously, the S2 test, the, you know, testing mental capacity, you know, that came out saying that he, he just totally bombed that. Uh, and then, of course, with Anthony Richardson, uh, there's a guy that has all the intangibles but has no accuracy. Um, and then, of course, Will Levis we just spoke about. So um, I think she's right. I mean, there's no abs- – I don't think there's any blue-chip Joe Burrow-type prospects in this draft. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm still you know, 48 hours out. I still don't know where I'm going to be placing all of these quarterbacks. It's that fluid. What, when is, just out of curiosity, when is your deadline? When is the huddle report deadline to hit that submit button and kind of take a deep breath and probably uh, crack a cold drink? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I will tell you right now that I have a mock draft penciled in right now. Penciled in. Uh, that will change about a dozen times between now and the submission deadline, which is 1 a.m. Eastern time Wednesday morning. So just after midnight tomorrow night. Wow. That's that, and then when all the breaking news comes up on Thursday, and all of us mock drafters, you know, our, our drafts get trashed. You know, it's because we have a deadline. 
Well, I want to hear, you know, kind of sticking with the quarterback theme and also uh, going down to number two chronologically here to Houston. I'm going to ask you first, Jason, and then uh, I want to hear Chief's opinion as well. Why go into this season with Davis Mills? I mean, I guess it's a, a you know, a, he was serviceable. He was okay and not allowed to work with there. I, I understand, um, you know, I guess it's just a matter of opinion. A lot of people uh, want to take the quarterback, you know, get that fifth year eligibility option, eligibility extension, whatever, uh, rookie deal option, um, and kind of build that talent, you know, uh, while that quarterback's on that rookie deal. Um, and, you know, and the buzz you're hearing is, well, maybe Houston, uh, they're just, there's, they're not even close to being ready to bring in a quarterback. Or I guess, you know, the other angle of the perspective is that possibly they just hate all the quarterbacks. Maybe they think, hey, we're waiting for a Joe Burrow kind of, like you said, you know, blue chip, you know, a franchise altering uh, kind of guy. And if, if their scouting department and their management truly believes that none of these guys are that person and they want to go for like a Will Anderson, that's fine. But, I, you know, I would also be kind of uh, I would also want to believe that that phone would maybe be ringing off the hook to try to get up there. Now, maybe they don't think there's enough value in the deal, but number two becomes interesting. At first, you know, I was a little unsure and I'm not the expert either that there's no way that Houston would not want any of these guys. But the more we're creeping towards Thursday, the more that I'm thinking it's possible that they, you know, go with the guy like Will Anderson or maybe get out of number two, Jason. I, I'm i curious to hear just your thoughts in general. I know you don't have anything finalized. Yeah, so in the weeks leading up to the draft, I think the common consensus was that quarterbacks were going to go one-two in Stroud and Young in one way or the other. Uh, and then it kind of word got out there that, you know, Carolina was leaning towards Young. And, and I think Young was the guy that Texas wanted. They were hoping Carolina drafted Stroud so they can take Young. Um, when that doesn't sound like that's the way it's going to pan out, I don't believe they're in love with C.J. Stroud. So I think D'Amico Ryans, as a defensive guy, rookie head coach, uh, I think he's looking to take the best possible player available the safest player available uh and to me that's will anderson uh tyree wilson the defensive end from texas tech is also a possibility there um but he's coming off a of foot surgery i just think anderson is is a lot safer another thing to keep in mind the texans have a pick 10 picks later number 12 so if they don't get their quarterback at two could they possibly look at one at 12 and if they pass at both picks, then I'm with you. What the hell are you doing? But then I go back and say, okay, where did D'Amico Ryans come from? He came from San Francisco. Who's the offensive coordinator? Bobby Slowick, the passing game coordinator at San Francisco. Who's going to be starting at San Francisco this year? Sounds like Brock Purdy. So now where does possibly Trey Lance play into this equation? Could you see possibly after the draft, Houston working a deal with from the old stopping grounds and seeing what it would take to possibly acquire Trey Lance. I think another good point here and chief, I'm going to throw this nugget inside your head too, is you have a brand new head coach who I love. Demico Ryan's is the man and uh, you know, bring going to bring a lot of energy and a culture change to that Houston organization. You also have a general manager, Nick Casero, who is entering his second year. So they really need to not whiff. Um, you know, with this pick, you know, you want to get someone that's going to be great for the next 10 years. 
And the more we're talking through this, the more it sounds like Will Anderson makes a hell of a lot of sense. But yeah, maybe you go get a quarterback at 12. Maybe you have enough firepower uh, to trade up a spot or two um, if one of those other quarterbacks slide. Uh, Chief, what are your thoughts here with Houston and these quarterbacks? Are you buying a, a signal caller to Houston at number two or no? Uh, I, I think so for me, I, I'm kind of thinking about Houston two prong. And I, I think Jason's made such an eloquent point in terms of they've got two picks in the top 15, right? So if they don't take the quarterback at two, what that's going to tell me, I think is they're going defense. And if they go quarterback, they're going project and they'll just let Davis Mills run out there until the other guy's ready. I, I think um, I, I'm with you though. Like I, I could see a scenario where they work some magic and, and make a trade and, you know, some way, somehow, you know, Trey Lance ends up in Houston. Like I, I could see that for sure. Um, especially with all the weapons that San Francisco has now. I was actually listening to an interview today with, with Lynch just talking about the fact that they're committed to Trey Lance being there. And I said, Oh, so, so here's my thing with GMs and coaches with quarterbacks that are on the fence, like, like that are fringe quarterbacks. When they start saying words, like we're committed to them being here. I say, yep, they're probably leaving. <laughs> and, and I, and I mean that wholeheartedly because everybody knows because, because the other statement is it's Brock Purdy's locker room to lose basically. So you can't be all in on Brock Purdy and then let Trey Lance sit there when you just gave up the farm to get him. That doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm with you, Jason. I, I Trey Lance is going somewhere, I think, and Houston might be a great landing spot considering the situation. If the compensation yeah. is reasonable, if the asking price is reasonable, I think, yeah. But here's the thing with Trey Lance. With Brock Purdy still very much an unknown coming off of that surgery, this is why I think that Lynch is saying what he's saying. He's not – they're going to stick with Lance until they're 100% sure that Purdy is going to be able to get in there and play and be healthy to play. Um, I don't think – that's why you're not going to see a move being made right now. Oh, yeah. That's fair. And can, can, can I ask you a question too, Jason, while, while we're kind of in this vein here? How, how much do you think the, the relationship between coaches and GMs, just with what you've seen with drafts over the years, kind of when they're not on the same page? And I'm, I'm, I'm asking that partly because, you know, in Carolina, it sounds like the coaching staff wants Stroud, but ownership is saying, no, we're taking Bryce Young. And so there's this this interesting dynamic of when the, when the room is kind of divided and the ownership is just kind of putting the foot down and saying no, this is the direction you're we're going and you have to deal with it. Um, how often do you think teams make those sorts of calls, and then in the end maybe there's a mistake one way or the other? Like what's what's kind of your take on that? Um, just in terms of how you've seen drafts play out. Ownership and team are kind of two different directions. They go with one side. It ends up being a mistake all the way around. What, what's your, what's kind of your read? Yeah, I think it happens all the time, to be quite honest with you. And I think 
when they first made that trade, I think that very much uh, you hit the nail on the head with Carolina. I, I think Frank Wright and the coaching staffs, they, they saw Stroud as someone that, that the build a quarterback that Frank Reich worked with in his, in his NFL tenure. And um, David Tepper, he kind of was going in saying, you know, Bryce Young's my guy. And, uh, you know, I think that that's why there was that divide initially. And then once they started uh, bringing him in for workouts and visits and talking to him more, uh, I'm under the impression that uh, the coaching staff then fell in love with Bryce Young uh, and they came to that agreement. So I, I think early on in the process, I think you may have a divide um, at some cases, but I think as, as the weeks and the days get closer to the draft, uh, I, it's a professional organization. I think they kind of just – um, communicate and collaborate what's best for the team and, and they come to a mutual decision. Cool. I didn't expect to kind of go chronologically one, two, three, four here, but the first kind of what's going to happen here if there are trades are going to shape how the rest of this quarterback situation shakes out. So I'm going to go right down the list to the cleanup spot uh, or, or in the hole here to three, I mean, and let me ask you this. I'll ask you this first. Does it make any sense for Arizona to take a quarterback, Jason, unless they've completely given up on Kyler Murray for whatever unknown reason? Does it make any sense for them to take a quarterback? Not at all. Okay, let me follow up. Does it make any sense for them to stay at number three in the current state of that roster? I think they're going to try like hell to find someone that they can trade with. And when I say that, I don't think they want to trade too far down the line. Um, you know, yeah, there's rumors that the Raiders possibly. I guess the the ceiling would be maybe Tennessee at eleven. Uh, I've heard that too. I've heard about Tennessee tra- possibly trading up too possibly. The the problem is, as of right now, forty eight hours in advance, I'm not sure they've gotten any prospective deals that are blowing their socks off to trade down in the last four drafts. All right. You go in thinking, Oh, there's going to be all this movement. There's going to be all these trades in the last four drafts. There has not been one trade in the top nine. Okay. That's how difficult it is to pull off something like that. I'm talking draft night trades, not, not trades prior to. Um, So I think Arizona once Definitely to get out of that pick. But if they can't get the value, what they think the pick is worth, I think they'll stay there and make the pick. And I think there will be value if Stroud's on the board there. Um, But but I've also heard, too, that uh, offensive tackle is kind of maybe the way that the number three pick works out. It's it's gonna to have to if they keep it. I mean, no way they bring Stroud in the building, or or Levis or Richardson or any quarterback with Kyler Murray there and and him already in shambles. I I, I don't see it. If they traded down, I think a, a logical pick would be uh, defensive end edge rusher Tyree Wilson or cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Um, if they stay, I think you're looking at Paris Johnson or Tyree Wilson. Is there any incentive for Arizona? Like, where are they at with leverage with DeAndre Hopkins at this point? Is there, 
like, is there a probability he gets moved on Thursday, or is this something that would develop, you know, you know, around the June one kind of area? Yeah, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be something that gets done during the draft itself. Um, you know, I know he wants to play with a winner, and let's be honest, Arizona is very much in a rebuilding phase right now. I mean, they're definitely probably one of the bottom five teams in the NFL uh, when it comes to talent right now. Um, you know, I understand DeAndre Hopkins wants to go to a winner. You know, you look at Buffalo needs a receiver. Kansas City needs a receiver. Um, I'm sure those are two places where he would love to go to um, with an established quarterback. But, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know what's going to materialize with him. And it's funny to think about, Chief. You have to wonder – you have to wonder what kind of talks they've had with who and when you're scratching your head and when Team XYZ hasn't taken a receiver or something on the first two days, you have to start wondering, huh, I wonder if they've talked to Arizona about DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I think that's something to monitor if, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a contender that maybe hasn't taken that receiver in the first two days that you thought they would have, maybe there has been some talks with um, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Arizona here. Um, that is going to be a, a critical point in this draft. I'm sure that's going to uh, keep you up the next night or two up until yeah, the deadline. It's, it's by far uh, and very much an inflection point in the draft. So depending on what happens at two and three, it's going to set up a domino effect through the rest of probably the next 10 picks. And uh, if you miss one or two of those, just, Toss your mock draft aside because it's it's not going to work out pretty. Is there – I just – there are so many ties from coaching trees. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that someone's going to serve you a killer deal on a platter here, right? But, like, for example, and I'm, I'm using my Titans as an example here because they are a kind of a key cog in maybe what could happen. So – they're extremely relevant. But you see, you know, Arthur Smith uh, was with the Titans organization for about a decade, was a tight ends coach before he did a pretty good job as the OC, went to Atlanta. And the Falcons over the last two years signed, I don't know, off the top of my head, uh, at least eight to 12 former Titans that Arthur Smith uh, coached. So, like, he took that wanting his familiarity with his players to an, another level. It might be a bit extreme if we're being honest here. But, I, I, like, the wheels for me are turning. And I think this is like a – point this is like a one percent outcome jason right but me i'm just piecing these things together here um and i'm just wondering about deandre hopkins and and Rand carthon took over uh for tennessee as the gm and i really like him and he's he's uh much more analytical than anyone else i had in that office uh they took someone uh, from the green bay off front office as well to uh to help him out as well i can't remember who they took um as the assistant gm um, but I, I think it's really interesting because Tennessee is a team with Ryan Tannehill, uh, another team that could, I'm just saying, another team that could trade up here to maybe three and leapfrog Indianapolis, who is their division rival. And, like, so Monty Austinfort was with the Titans front office last year. He is now uh, Arizona's uh, general manager. So, again, I'm not saying that these teams – are obviously going to give you, you know, a buddy deal here, but I'm sure they're more willing to talk with people they're familiar with. So I, I think of all these things. I think of, um, I, I think of DeAndre Hopkins, right? This is, I went like, I went down the grapevine here mentally 
DeAndre Hopkins, right? I mean, Rand Carthon is saying that we're not in a total rebuild, more like a soft reset. I, I don't really know. They have 120 million cap space next year. They haven't moved Derrick Henry yet. They haven't moved Kevin Byard. Um, they re-signed Jeffrey Simmons. Like, they have some pieces to compete in the AFC South. As much as everyone wants to crown the Jags right away, and the Jags on paper are the more talented team, I, I don't think the Jags are going to run away with the AFC South. I just think it's football, and I think it'll be closer than we anticipated. That being said, you know, DeAndre Hopkins played with Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator in Houston. Mike Vrabel was also in Houston when DeAndre Hopkins was there. Monty Austin Ford's with Arizona, who has the pick that Tennessee, you know, might be interested in getting up to. Um, you know, Mike Rabel from the Billichek tree, you know, we heard he pulled CJ Stroud aside at the pro day and all of a sudden the scores leak out. And like, I don't know, the conspiracy wheels in my head are turning that I'm like, what is if some far stretch of imagination? Tennessee trades up, gets Stroud, who was their guy all along, somehow gets DeAndre Hopkins um, in some kind of crazy deal. And I don't know where Ryan Tannehill fits in all this. He probably just stays another year in the Titans, you know, play out the contract. But, you know, if you bring in Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins, you have Derrick Henry, it might be 500 and win the division. I don't freaking know. But just the thought of all the familiarity between Arizona and Tennessee does kind of have me thinking here a little bit. I'm not saying they land Hopkins, but I think they definitely had a couple of conversations about trading up to three. Yeah, Justin, as a, as a Tennessee Super fan, if you want to call yourself that. Um, do you think Tennessee walks out of the first round with a quarterback? You know, I, I, it depends. It's it's tough to say. I I think I know that's just such a cop out answer, but I know Rand Carthon likes Anthony Richardson. I mean, I I've just seen quotes about him uh, dating back a couple of years um, when Rand Carthon was still with San Fran, and I really think it. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know where the Will Levis smoke fits in because I I I think Rand Carthon does not want to see Anthony Richardson in a Colts uniform. That's what I think. Because I, I, I think Carthon is the highest on Richardson. I do. And I think Rabel likes Stroud. Um again, I, I'm sure they found out there's the 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 Rabel Ohio State connection, uh, Ryan Day. Uh, he knows Ryan Day. So I'm sure they found out whether or not CJ Stroud can be a defense or not, or or whatever the scores are. So um I, I, Tennessee is so interesting because I've also heard um, rumors of Pittsburgh wanting to move up to take a lineman. Uh, you know, the Titans could also benefit from one of these blue blue chip linemen that I'm sure will be good for the next eight to ten years. Um, but they did sign a couple of linemen, um, you know, in the offseason that are more than serviceable. Andre Dillard from the Eagles um, is one of them. And I, I just think I think they need to rebuild in their own way. And I think Rand Carthon is super aggressive. And uh, I I do think they end up with a quarterback. I do. Whether or not he sits behind Ryan Tannehill for a year, I, I don't know. But I don't think it would hurt if if you can't find the right deal to move Tannehill. You know, why not uh, let a guy like C.J. Stroud kind of check things out and maybe get some action at the end of the year? Yeah, fair enough. But I will say this. I really want JSN in a Titans uniform on the other side of Traylon Burks there. But now that brings up the Aaron Rodgers trade. We had a busy week, Chief. So Aaron Rodgers finally a Jet, and uh, they received uh, you know some, some compensation. There's a lot of a lot of opinions on uh, who won the deal and who didn't. But Green Bay did leapfrog a couple of teams, uh, including New England, who might have been I believe who might be interested in JSN. If, yeah, that's right. Um, so, so I don't know. Uh, what do you what do you think about the Aaron Rodgers deal here, Chief? And you know, does it make sense for Green Bay to, to 
to finally get a weapon for someone not named Aaron Rodgers in the first round of a draft is just so ironic if that happens. Well, first of all, let me say, Jason, I, with, with all of your popularity and seniority in the industry, I'm sure, you know, the Food for Thought podcast isn't something that you may listen to weekly. But I I have a, a, a take on Aaron Rodgers that's very unpopular. And we're going to figure out how great my take was now that he's in a Jets uniform at some point next season, obviously, with probably some of the best weapons he's had. And I don't know, since since Randall Cobb and Jordy, uh, since they were a family. And uh, and this this may also be one of the best defenses he's had. Um, I don't know, possibly his whole career. Like that's it's probably pretty close to the best defense he's had outside of maybe a year or two. Um, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is overrated, and you know I think he's going to the Jets in his old age. And you know, I, I, obviously, I listen to a lot of sports radio and sports talk, and I heard one analyst say, "Well, look, you know, the thing is, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to be great all season. He just needs to be great for. He just needs to be the best version of Aaron Rodgers come playoff time." I I think going to get Aaron Rodgers is a mistake, but I, I'll leave that up to everyone else. In terms of the haul they got, uh, Green Bay got in terms of the trade. I mean, I think I think they got exactly what they would have hoped, probably in a little bit more, um, considering the circumstance and the fractured relationship. And I'm saying that because obviously teams, I, I don't feel like general managers and ownerships want to rip each other off, but you know, when they know the relationship is fractured around the league, a lot of teams may not be willing to just, you know, dump their picks and, and mortgage away their future for Aaron Rodgers. And I think the Jets, the, the, this showed me that the Jets are in probably as close to win now mode as they've been since, you know, Rex Ryan was the coach, if, if that makes any sense. So I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I, I think he's washed. Um, I, I think he's very overrated. I think he's. Um, I love it. Uh, we've done probably thirty podcasts this year, and uh, we've had some great guests. Look, I, I, I believe the first quote you ever said. I, I, I might. I, you have to forgive me. I know I, I used to be a journalist here, and I haven't quoted anybody in a while. But it was like, is he the best gay manager of all time? Kind of thing. And we went down a rabbit hole of talking about the Eli Mannings of the world, Jason. And it just went, <laughs> it was another hour episode we needed to tear off. Anyway. We know Chief Chief isn't high on Aaron Rodgers. And I'll tell you, the New York media is going to come after you a little bit harder than the Wisconsin uh, media and news outlets are if you don't perform. So, uh, yeah, Jason, what's your what's your take on the aftermath here? How did that affect whatever you thought you had in place like 72 hours ago? Yeah, it really didn't affect much. I mean, you're just swapping first round picks, 15 and 13, um, with New England kind of sandwiched in between there. And, I mean – New England, they're the toughest team. I mean, year after year, you just don't know what the hell they're going to throw out there um, for a draft pick. So I don't think it changes much. Um, I mean, everybody is being so quick to crown the Jets. Um, you got to keep in mind they're playing in an AFC East that still has Buffalo, that still has Miami. Um, they're going to be playing a very difficult schedule this year. Um, you know, do 
two or three teams get out of the East into the playoffs? I don't know. But if Aaron Rodgers doesn't make the playoffs in his first year, <laughs> oh, man, there's going to be such a backlash in, in New York media. Totally. Uh, and, you know, he's walking into a pretty competitive division there with, of course, the surgeon. You know, I think they're, just, they're trying to just create like what Tom Brady did, you know, going to Tampa Bay. And, you know, you saw this past year, you know, Brady started falling off a little bit, his performance and his play. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a chief. I, I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan either. Um, he does. I mean, the Jets have a great defense. You know, they have Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They they have a decent offensive line. You know, the pieces are certainly there that if he comes in back to his MVP form, they can they can go places. But uh, he, he didn't have the best year last year. Um, now, is, is that a byproduct of what the Packers rolled out there as far as receivers and, and surrounding talent? I don't know. But um, – yeah, I mean, the expectations are certainly sky high with him. So if he doesn't meet them, look out. Do you think Green Bay goes receiver or uh, in round one? Is that your lean? Putting you on the spot here. Yeah, I think they'll take – I think <clears throat> my initial lean was an offensive weapon that could be in the form of a receiver or a, a- a tight end. I mean, they lost Alan Lazard. They lost Robert Tunyon. Uh, they lost Randall Cobb. I mean, besides Christian Watkins, what do they really have at receiver? Josiah DeGuara. Um, <laughs> but uh, so my, my first thought was, yeah, it's probably a wide receiver or a tight end. Um, if not, I think edge rush, on you know, will be the, the, the play defensively. But um, I think it's going to be an offensive weapon uh, as of right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of offensive weapon, another name floating around in the mid middle round there uh, is Bijan Robinson, Chief. 
took the words out of my mouth. I was just like headed to the down Bijan way. So please, who could use him? Who could use him? What what are you you thinking here? Where does he land? Honestly, I I think there's a a plethora of situations that he could end in. I honestly, Bijan is one of those guys, and I watched him play in college pretty much his whole career too, even through the rough times. I almost wish a, a team would would reach a little bit, like, but the team needs I don't think are going to set that up. And I mean, maybe he ends up at Tampa Bay at nineteen. Maybe he goes a little further. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he gets to twenty one to the Chargers. Definitely don't think he makes it to Baltimore. I, I'm, I'm thinking Bijan goes somewhere between. Mm, 18 19. Like that, that's that's where I've got Bijan, which I know that's a that's a weird pick, but that would put him either with Detroit or Tampa Bay. Like that's that's kind of where I've got Bijan going based on how the board is breaking out. Um, and I mean, I could be off on that. I, I don't think a team's going to trade up and reach, so that, that's just where I am. He, he's kind of the ultimate weapon, or let me say this he's the new NFL running back, he is the running back and the receiver. He's the Christian McCaffrey. He's the Alvin Kamara. He's the Saquon Barkley type. Uh, so that's that's where I've, I've got him, especially with Detroit. Um, you know, Jamal Williams is gone, and, God, they don't know when um, when DeAndre Swift is going to be healthy. I think Bijan might be going at 18. I think 18, but that's – unless they unless the Chiefs trade up, I, I think I, I think he's going at 18. That's, that's my read. Yeah, it's uh, definitely he's the trump card in this draft. Uh, million dollar question is where does Bijan go? Uh, I, I mean, I'm just looking at it. Um, again, you, you're talking a, a running back who it's not a premium position. <clears throat> They've been pushed down the boards time and time again over the last several years. Um, I think the earliest that you could possibly see him going would be Atlanta at, at eight. That would be the earliest. Um, then you look at teams that possibly could draft him. You have the Eagles at 10. Um, I know being a Pennsylvania guy, there's been a lot of news surrounding, will the Eagles take Bijan? I don't think so. Uh, and then just going down New England, yes, they have Ramondre Stevenson, but they did just lose Damian Harris, and we know Belichick likes a running back by committee there. Um, Detroit, certainly. They have two picks in the, in the top 18. Um, that could be a luxury play for them. Tampa Bay, certainly he's been linked to them. So here's my thought with, with Bijan and running back specifically. If you're going to take one in early in the draft, like top half of the draft or thereabout, I think you have to be a team that is in win-now mode. If you're a team that's rebuilding – Bringing in a running back is not going to do anything for you. To, to, to take someone like Bijan Robinson, I think you need to be a team that is in win-now mode. That's certainly not the Falcons. It's not the Patriots. Uh, it's not the Buccaneers. So, you know, that, that kind of leads me back to the Eagles and, and the Lions, uh, both with two picks in the first round, which so they can afford a little bit of a luxury pick. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, that's where I'm, my lean is right now. I, I agree with Chief. Um, Lions certainly are in play there. Um, I know they lost Jamal Williams, and I think they're talking to teams about trying to trade DeAndre Swift. So, you know, I, if, if, if he drops to 18, I think it's a slam dunk. Oh, I, just yeah. don't know if, I, just, I don't know if he's going to make it to 18. So, so let me ask you this, Jason. If so, if if they trade DeAndre Swift, I have to think they're going after him. Like, the, do you get you get what I'm saying? Because it's like, well, gosh, there's nothing much left in the cover. Set secondarily, um, if he goes earlier than that, who? It's it's. Are, are you saying you think the splash play is Eagles? Or Falcons, right? Like that's the splash play in the draft at this point, versus not necessarily going straight team need, but more this is this is a guy that we think is a huge difference maker. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I, I know the Falcons like Bijan. Yeah. I, I know they like him, and I, I don't think they'll take him at eight. I think if they trade down um a couple picks, he would certainly be in play there. Okay, okay. Um but I mean, there was a time, you know, a week, months ago, that I thought Bijan could go to the Lions at six. So, to, you know, if he's there at 18, I, I just think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, he, he is – he's just a – not only a good football player, but he's a good cultural fit. The, the young man has his head on his shoulders. He's a great fit for a locker room. Um, I think at Texas – I think he was a theater major, to be honest with you. But – I've seen interviews. I've seen how he um, he's just a well-spoken young kid that has a good head on his shoulders. So he would be an asset to wherever he went. What I'm saying is for a team to draft a running back who basically is such a devalued position in today's NFL, I think that team needs to be a team that is in their win-now window and not a team that is building for the future. Because a, a running back is not going to help that team build to the future. Understood. I think Atlanta believes they can win the division, and I, th- I I think maybe he goes there. I mean, they're inside of three to one to win the NFC South on DraftKings right now. So I think maybe they kind of want a spark. I don't know. The Patriots are in di- the Patriots are in dire need of a playmaker on that side of the ball. Too. I mean, when you're reaching. For Marcus Jones to do something for your offense, and he had a couple of splash plays this season. Like they need, I just don't think he is going to be it for New England. But they need a jolt, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be with New England either because New England's gonna when they turn their pick and it's going to be a head scratcher, just like last year when they when they drafted um, the, the guard Colt Strange. Like I mean, he was projected to go in the third round and. and Patriots took him in the first, and, and they do that constantly. So I kind of don't know what's going on there. So I, I've given up on trying to accurately predict who the Patriots are going to take. That's why I don't think it's going to be Bijan. Um, but yeah, I, Justin, I, I think Atlanta, I, I think if I had to say right now, if you had to ask me where I think his best chances are going, I would say the Falcons or the Lions. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think we're kind of all on the same page there. Yeah, the Lions um, had the big offseason scandal. They might actually need him the most, the more I think about it. 
Yeah, yes. I mean, as a, as a Bengals fan, I mean, not that he'll ever drop down, but he would be a slam dunk for the Bengals. Yeah, I did. I did see one one spot talking about him possibly going to the Bengals. Like if he really, like if he went very late, they were thinking Bengals. Like if it just, if he just, if he just really slipped really bad, I don't think he's slipping that far personally. But if he did, I, I did see. You know, I read. One, one article where they were talking about him possibly going to the Bengals, but that's like worst case scenario. I think. Yeah. Speaking of NFC North and Aaron Rodgers that division, and you know, there's some you know some whispers of maybe we're done with Kirk Cousins out of the Minnesota realm, and the one quarterback we did not mention who's also gaining some steam is Hendon Hooker. And do you think he's in the first round this year, Jason? <sighs> I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about that today. Um, I'm going to, I mean, I'm just going to say, I mean, by the time my mock comes out, he might be. Um, as of right now, I'm going to say no. But, uh, you know, you look at teams possibly that could like him. Uh, you mentioned Minnesota, definitely a possibility there. Um I think uh, Tampa Bay could be a possible landing spot as well. Uh, the thing with quarterbacks, especially in the first round, and I've I've gotten burnt by doing this a lot in the past, and that's why I'm a little hesitant to put Hooker. I mean, the, the kid's coming off a, a pretty serious injury, but the thing you have to keep in mind is teams love trading back up into the first round for a quarterback because they get that fifth-year option. So if there's a team in the back half, when I say back half, I'm talking like the last six or seven picks, that they might not have value there. They might try to get out of the round. That's what I could say about that. Uh, He's definitely gaining steam, but here's the thing: like, I don't know where to put Levis. I, I, I mean, yeah, Levis is a wild card for sure, Jason. I mean, I'm confused on that too. Like, I thought he might go to the Colts, but I'm like, I don't know. It's do you? So let me ask you this: I know I cut you off. Please forgive me. Do you think the Stroud, Stroud, Bryce, and maybe let's say? Depending on whether or not um, one of these teams goes offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, cornerback, like, do you think that's what's really gonna gonna push Levis to one team or the next? Like, for instance, let's say he lands at eleven and Richardson isn't gone, Levis isn't gone. Like at that point, he's all the way down to Tennessee, who may be in rebuild. Like, I, I feel like that's the pivotal spot. Does does Levis go early? And if he doesn't, now he's probably for sure going 11 or 12. Is that kind of the read? That, that's what I think. But what's what's your feel on Levis? Because I, I feel weird about him too. Yeah, I, I don't have a good read on it. I mean, 11 and 12, I mean, that's probably your sweet spot. But I could see I could see him getting past that. And then, you know, looking down, you know, is Tampa Bay in love with him? Is Minnesota in love with him? Um, is Seattle in love with him? Seattle's probably not in love with him. But the same thing with Richardson. Like, 
he has a lot of red flags. Like, he could be the next Patrick Mahomes, but he could also be, like, the next Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, it, I, I just, I don't know. I think Richard, I think both of them can fall. Um, I mean, hey, Malik Willis fell three rounds last year, and I know some people predicted that and some people that, didn't. That's another one. I mean, everyone's trying to figure out where to put Willis, where to put Willis, and – you know, that's kind of where we are this year. Where to put Will Levis? Where to put Anthony Richardson? Here's the thing with, and I'm circling back to Tennessee. Call me a homer. I don't care. But, like, they're a key cog in the quarterback potential, like, domino effect here. And my, my thing is with Tennessee is, okay, like, if you keep Tannehill for – Tannehill is an, a serviceable quarterback when he actually has a line in front of him and a couple weapons. We saw what he did with a, a, the simplest offense ever with Corey Davis, A.J. Brown, and, and Henry in the backfield. I mean, you put – another weapon outside of uh, Traylon Burks and Chigakonko, and, and and maybe you win eight or nine games, maybe you make a run at the vision. The, the problem is if I'm putting my head inside of Rand Carthon's, uh, you know, thinking cap here is, well, if we win eight or nine games or win the division, we're not going to land an elite quarterback next year. We're going to be stuck in this mediocrity. I kind of feel like, you know, a first-year GM doesn't want to stick his neck out and potentially whiff. But in this day and age with how good and how young all of the AFC quarterbacks are, if you don't have one of those guys, you're in trouble. So I, I understand that he doesn't want to just like punt this year and maybe he wouldn't, but like, when are you going to have the opportunity unless you go out and, and overpay and, and trade? And you know what? They have a hell of a lot of cap room uh, next year. So it's possible like whatever shakes out with Lamar Jackson in the future, or, you know, it worked out for the Rams. They mortgaged the farm and got Matt Stafford and won a Super Bowl. But I feel like that's such an anomaly of an outcome. Um, and I know that that kind of, you know, I know it wins things a little bit still, Jason. I'm really sorry. He's a Bengals fan, by the way. But I, I just, I'm trying to think here that, you know, you asked me earlier, do I think Tennessee leaves with a quarterback? And I think, I don't think it's going to be Hendon Hooker. I think it's going to be one of the other four, whoever they have the most conviction behind, because, you know, whether or not they move Tannehill, I don't think they will be in like a top five lottery type bottom of the barrel team, they're going to win a couple games next year. They're, you know, you play the Texans twice, maybe you steal one from the Jags, the Colts, or who knows what kind of situation they're in. Like the range of outcomes for Tennessee is pretty wide, whether or not they're a, a decent team who gets hot or they're just not very good. I don't think they're bad enough to pick in the top three and going hand in hand with that. You mentioned Tampa Bay. There's no way that they are, are comfortable and, and excited about Kyle Trask. And if you were just going to hit the reset button, well, then you would have done something with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin by now. So right. there has to be some other uh, – some things we don't know about with Tampa Bay and, and Tennessee that are going to maybe unfold on Thursday, I think. Yeah, I, I, just going back to Tennessee, I mean, the report came out today that Tennessee loved C.J. Stroud and Will Levis. Like, they're their guys. But when you get within a week of the draft actually happening, when you start hearing this stuff, like, no, nobody in their – right mind associated with the team is going to leak out information on who they love. <laughs> so with Anthony Richardson, not being included in there, you just wonder if they're trying to say, well, Richardson's really the guy we, we want, but we want everybody else to think that we don't want him. We want to, you know, put up the smoke screen that we want to trade up to three, or we want to trade or to get Stroud, or we want to, you know, 
take Will Levis or something like that. So that that's the only thing. Like you, you go on the computer, you go on your phone, you you know, you you see the TV, you know, all these different rumors. I mean, we talked about it before the show. There's every hour there's new information coming off on this team loves this guy and they don't want one of this guy and they want to trade like when you get into draft week, you can't believe half the stuff that you hear because it's just not accurate. Yeah, and you you know, I I I I do think Tennessee leaves that draft with either CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson. I that's my best guess. And uh I guess I'm gonna stick to that. And you know, that NFC South, that the pro chief, and I know you're in the thick of this here, each of those teams thinks they can win and and it you know, I'm not the biggest Derek Carr enthusiast, and I think on paper the Saints probably have the most talent right now, but I don't think this is a runaway division. I mean, you have a couple, you know, three of the four teams are inside a three to one to win the division. So, I mean, if Carolina gets their guy and it works out a little bit, um, or in Atlanta adds some pieces, I, I think, you know, in Tampa Bay, you know, outside of losing your qu- quarterback, which is a big deal, but, you know, if you draft the right guy and put a little pressure on New Orleans, like it might be the most wide open division in football, which, you know, makes me think, hey, yeah, Atlanta might take a piece that they think they can win now and help them win games. Tampa Bay might go get a quarterback and and give New Orleans a run for their money. So it's such a, an interesting division and a couple of teams that need quarterbacks, and we're pretty sure that Carolina is going to take one at the top, which should make things even more competitive for that kind of, like, average division right now. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, while we're wrapping things up here, do you have a favorite draft prospect, like a non-quarterback? Is there anybody that just blows you away? I know you got to stay like unbiased, and I know you probably want your team to get the guy you want. But is there anybody that you're just kind of in awe of that you know that you're excited to see what he does at the next level, you know, non-quarterback wise? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll give you two. I'll go a first round guy, and then I'll go a guy that is not going to get taken in the first round. Um, this guy is small um which kind of puts up some red flags but cornerback emmanuel forbes from mississippi state he he only weighs 160 some pounds um but he's a playmaker uh everywhere he's been high school college the kid just makes plays he makes interceptions and when he makes interceptions he returns them for touchdowns uh, and he did this at the highest quality of competition in the country in in the in the SEC um i think you know aside from his small stature i just think he's one of those guys that is a bulldog out there and i think he's going to <clears throat> you know, really pan out for whatever team drafts him. The second guy, and we can possibly relate this to fantasy a little bit because he would be a skill player that would be draftable um, in the later rounds. I really, really love Tajay Spears, the running back for Tulane. Um, Oh, man. Yeah. I, I like that call, Jason. I like that one. I've I've seen enough Tulane games over this past year, and he, he just wows you. He is that wow factor. Um, and again, if I had to make a comparison, thinking back, like he reminds me of a Jamal Charles. Um, it, you know, he's gonna be a you know a third third round pick, maybe maybe third fourth round. 
maybe squeaks into the second, but uh, he's a guy that I like, and I think you got to keep him, keep an eye on him for dynasty drafts. Hey, dynasty drafts in full swing. Best ball is going to be kicking off before we know it. I saw the underdog promos uh, already all over the web with some huge prize pools. Yeah, and just to tie in fantasy before we wrap up here, it you know. Where are you hoping some of these receivers end up? Like, are we going to see, obviously, like, whoever Green Bay lands, I just, I can't imagine that being a high volume, high target, you know, uh, reciprocant, you know, regardless of the talent of the wide receiver. Uh, but we talked about Buffalo. And, I'm, you know, I, I want to see someone, uh, not, not, not as a Titans fan, but for fantasy purposes, I want to see a playmaker go there because, you know, it's a pass-happy, air-raid type of attack. Um, I mean, Chief or Jason, is there anybody in particular in this first round that you want to see land somewhere that can make an impact? I mean, obviously, you know, Robinson is kind of like, outside of quarterback, is probably like, you know, the de facto answer. And, you know, I would imagine he, you know, depending on where he ends up, could even be like a high-end RB2 on early draft boards in fantasy season, right? I mean, if this guy ends up in Atlanta, uh, you know, I I keep thinking of the, uh, the steam with um i almost said D'Amico ryan's with uh the texans running back last year uh damian pierce who, you know, talk about late fantasy draft team and you know, he was having a hell of a season before he went down but i can see robinson having even like kind of a greater impact like that that being said you know some of these other receivers we didn't talk about jason i mean um the gabe davis steam was real too and he had a kind of a disappointing season uh, do you think someone ends up in Buffalo that can catch some passes, I guess, is what I'm getting at here? Uh, certainly, certainly. I think the sweet spot for receivers uh, in this draft is, I mean, yes, you might have one taken a little bit earlier, but I think, like, 20 from Seattle, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Vikings, the Giants. So 20 to 25 is kind of your sweet spot for receivers. And then you have teams like Buffalo and Kansas City who can both use one as well. The problem with the receivers in this year's draft is they're smaller guys. Aside from Quinton Johnson, everybody else has size limitations, whether that's height or weight. Um, So depending on what you need, if you're looking for a slot guy, great. If you're looking for a big um, X or Z receiver, there's not as many out there. So I just think it all depends on, on what you're looking for. Um, out of all of those, I, I would probably, I don't know. I like Zay Flowers probably the best. Aside from Smith and Jig. I think Smith and Jig was going to be a, a good wherever he goes. Yeah. He, he's probably the de facto first wide receiver. I, so so let, me, let me say this, Jason. Because of something you mentioned, to me, this is why, as crazy as it sounds, right, to be kind of comparing the two, this is why I think Bijan and Jameer Gibbs carry more value this year, possibly earlier than maybe they would have if you had some of those better, better, bigger receivers in the draft. Like when you've got running backs that can somewhat play receiver in certain situations, I think, I think it opens up the offense. I mean, when, when you send a guy out and you know, he's going to have a linebacker cover him, especially when he's a rookie, when he's a rookie, like they're not going to put a DB on Jameer Gibbs or Bijan Robinson right now. Like they don't care what they did in college per se. I, I think Gibbs and, and Bijan carry a lot more value this year because of their dual threat ability. And that'll be my last little tidbit. What, how do you feel about that? Which I know we haven't talked about Gibbs a lot, but that that's how I feel about, these two running backs compared to 
the receiving pool that could go early. Yeah, I mean, Bijan's certainly a three-down running back. I mean, he's your dynasty one pick every dynasty draft that's out there, rookie dynasty draft. Um, Gibbs is absolutely a receiver. I mean, he led Alabama in receiving, but the problem with him is he's never really, even when he was at Georgia Tech, he never got a full workload. So he was never that 20-carry banger. Um, so, yeah, he, he would catch a lot of passes and be an asset in, in, in fantasy leagues in that regard. Um but that's why I just think there is a tear break between the two. Now, I still think Gibbs goes in the first round. Don't get me wrong. Because there's so many people at the teams at the back end that could that could use someone like him, like Buffalo and Cincinnati and, and even Eagles. Um, you know, there's some that he, he could help those teams kind of, you know, they're in that win now window that I talked about. And he would be yeah. a, a missing piece to help them kind of get to where they want to go. Um and even with the Lions, I mean, if Bijan gets taken earlier, will the Lions look at Jameer Gibbs? I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. We are less than forty-eight hours away from crunch time. I know you have some finalizations to wrap up here. You gave us some good names. So I guess we'll call it a hot take. I don't know if you have any hot takes. Um, if you do, well, I'd my, love to hear it. My my hot take is whatever you think is going to happen, most likely won't. This is the most unpredictable <laughs> draft. I, I, I mean, you go like this. I've never seen a draft where I'm seeing an eight and I have no idea what's going to happen with the first seven picks in front of me. Um, and as somebody who does this, as a, as a hobby and have, have been doing it for a number of years now, I can say within without a shadow of a doubt, this draft is one of the most difficult ones to predict because I don't think there's blue chippers. I don't think there's that four or five upper echelon studs. I think this draft is a lot of you. Some drafts, to top seven or eight players, and these are the guys that are going to be in that top ten. And I just don't see it this year. Um, and that's why I think it's leaving so many questions. And, you know, once you factor trades, then forget about it because then all bets are off. All right. Well, I lost you there for a second, but I heard most of it. Basically sounds like you think it's a, a collection of talent, and, you know, I'm sure there's some, some ceiling guys uh, mixed in there. But uh, we will we'll wrap things up, and uh, I guess Chief, do you have any closing thoughts before I uh, before I send it over to Jason? No, I'm good, man. I'm I'm, I'm going to be quiet and, and let the expert talk. And Jason, it's been it's been a pleasure to uh, just come on and talk with you and, and get some of your thoughts, man, and just kind of get us. Even though we're full swing in, in baseball season, just get us tuned up for this draft. We we, we thoroughly appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, it's always fun to talk draft, even though uh, it's a very stressful uh, next two days for me. Um, but, uh, Justin, uh, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, um, I published one final mock draft a year. Uh, every Thursday morning it gets published on the Times News website. Uh, that website is www.tn online.com uh it should be up by around 10 10 30 on thursday morning 
and and that's where that's where you'll find it. I'll have all the picks. I'll have a brief analysis of every pick, and it, I basically just take you through my thought process of every pick, and you know what I think's going to happen. Um, possibly give you a few names that possibly could get selected with that pick, um, and uh, and yeah, we'll we'll go from there. So uh, I got a lot of work ahead of me in the next um, next two nights here, but uh, it'll it'll be fun once Thursday at eight o'clock rolls around. Are you a coffee drinker? Not a coffee drinker. I, I do not get much sleep this week. I can tell you that much. <laughs> well, I will. Um, I know you're kind of like incognito on Twitter, but like you're there, but you're not. So I I'm there. Can't... I'm there, but I don't post stuff. You, you, uh, hey, that's the way to operate, man. We, we're going <laughs> to tag you in the tweet, though. And, uh, you know, we send this baby out there. And um, how how frequent does the huddle report update? Like, can people track who's doing oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, so they've over the last couple of years they've actually done live scoring. Um, so wow. you can go onto their website on Thursday night, and within a minute of a pick being made, um, it'll update the live scoring. And and just for for those unfamiliar with how the Huddle Report scoring works, you get one point for every player you correctly select in the first round, and you get two points for every pick that you match with a team. So I, I mean, my benchmark is, I mean, there's only 31 picks this year instead of 32 in the first round. Uh, you know, I always shoot to get 27, 28 first round picks correct. And then if you can match, I think last year the, the winning mock had 10, 10 matches. If you can get eight to 10 matches, and that seems like it's a horrible draft, but believe me, trying to put this puzzle together is not easy. And, Eight to ten is actually a good draft, so that's what I shoot for: eight to ten direct hits and about twenty-seven to twenty-eight first-round picks. Tell you what, Chief, I think Jason uh, is a pretty good candidate to have on an early season food for thought episode when these rookies are going to be right, right, ready to roll and incorporated into our DraftKings player pool. What do you think, Chief? <laughs> yeah, man, for sure, Jason, come back, hang out anytime. We'd love to have you. Well, aside from being a, a, a mock draft. Uh, Nerd, if you want to call me, I, I'm also very in tune in the fantasy uh, aspect of things, as Justin knows. So I'd be happy to kind of tie both of them together and, and talk fantasy as well with draft prospects. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, appreciate it. That's Jason Boards. Everybody, check him out. We'll tag him in the tweet. Check him out on the HuddleReport.com. We'll see how he stacks up with the rest of the uh, experts across the industry. That's Will Priester, Chief Justice 06. A lot of stuff going on in baseball season, of course, and the prop shop. And, uh, you know, the NBA playoffs are in the thick of it. So we're pumping out all kinds of content here at Roto Grinders. And, of course, scores and odds where our uh, premium picks are, you know, pretty much working around the clock over there. So check us out, scoresandodds.com. Check us out at Roto Grinders. And uh, that's it for us, folks. Hope you guys enjoy the draft. And I hope your team gets who they want, unless you're a Colts fan. So for Chief and Jason, I'm Justin. Hey, we'll see you again sometime, folks.